Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Want to homeschool, but worried about your child's socialization? Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities for opportunities for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model. To find a Classical Conversations community near you, visit classicalconversations.com slash dadjourney. And now, back to the show. All right. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back, guys. Hey, I am super excited this week. I've been looking for someone to talk to about uh, screens and technology and various things. And uh, thankfully, uh, Stephen Arterburn. Did I say that correctly, Stephen? Yes, and uh, distinctly right. and and slowly. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. I love it when I read at church and after uh, service is over, somebody comes up and usually they're elderly and they say, I really appreciate the way that you enunciated, used emotion, changed your tone, and were audible. I could hear you. <laughs> So we we hope you can hear us well on this podcast. So well, welcome to the podcast. You're an accomplished author. You've got 2 million people that listen to your shows a week. You founded uh, New Life Ministries. Uh, you've got 8 million books in print, on, on, on. I say all that stuff so you don't have to. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah. Super, yeah. super excited to have you with us and uh, really cool that... that uh, you decided to dive into the topic. And I think your book comes out in August, if I'm not mistaken. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So the topic of the uh, the book is understanding and loving your child in a screen-saturated world. So I love the title, love the concept, and uh, excited to kind of dive in. Tell, tell us a little bit about your current family, where, where you're at these days. Well, um, we are a blended family, and we're an unusual blended family because all five of the kids actually love each other and enjoy being together. So that's pretty rare. Um, and, you know, when people get married and they're going to blend a family, my first comment is, well, you know, that's usually a pretty bad idea because um, the divorce rate doubles in blended families. And usually it's over the kids and certainly finances related to the kids. So I have a 32-year-old daughter, Madeline, who lives in California, is married to a great guy. And then um, my wife brought into our marriage, Carter, who's 25, and James, who's 24. Uh, they were 18 years ago. They were just little guys, five and six. And 
it was uh, it was wonderful. They were great, great kids then and are now. Then she and I have uh, Solomon together. We, he's about to be 17. And Amelia is 14, just turned 14. And, was, and really spelled with an A? Being with them. Uh, Amelia with an A? Yeah. Okay. I've got a Amelia with an E. <laughs> okay, there you are. But I enjoy being with my kids a lot. And the thing that's kind of unusual about all of us is that we all like the same kind of music. Well, there are a couple of things <laughs> that each doesn't, but but my kids just play the most beautiful, wonderful music, and it's uh, really great to listen to. So we uh, and we do the screen battle. You know, we do don't let our kids have all the screen time in the world because as we're seeing the research come in. Uh, people are saying it's worse than smoking, worse than, you know, 12-year-old drinking. Uh, it's really poisonous to the development of a, a young teenager. Yeah, I'd love to dive more into the research aspect of it. What are what are some alarming things that you've seen in your research or in, well, in looking at other people's research? Yeah. Um, when I was out in California, I would do television shows with the, the TV physician, Dr. Drew. And uh, I always liked him. And he was talking about um, the work that he's done with many of the folks that are in the tech industry, uh, that are developers of software, things like that, and then programming. And he said uh, almost all of them will tell you not to let your kids spend much time at all, that it is uh, poison to the development of the child, especially the brain. And um, it it just doesn't make for a happy existence. There's so many uh, things to compare your situation to uh, and to feel um, horrible or less than, frequently less than other kids. And uh, feeling like there's something missing when you've got everything you really need but you're feeling like you're missing, that you're not living someone else's life that seems so great. But, you know, as we all know, whatever is on uh, the Internet is not necessarily a true depiction of reality. It usually isn't. I was talking with a guy just yesterday and he gets to film Gary Vaynerchuk and that's his professional job. So he hangs around yeah. some of these people that you would see on social media and the news and things. And he said, you know, it's funny, those planes that uh, take off and uh, the private jets and that type thing, uh, net jets. And he was, yeah. when they're grounded and there's no pilot and they're just, you know, wasting time where they could be making money, what they do is they open up um, uh, photography slots. So we just hit up all these influencers out there so that they can rent time to look like they're jumping on the private jet and they do a photo shoot. That's amazing. And then you see the little group of them all post their photo shoot of them flying somewhere where they never actually went anywhere, but it sure looks like they did because yeah, you'll see it's, it's the five, six, seven, eight friends that all went together in on one photo shoot. And I'm like, that is so funny that you'll go to such great lengths to look important. Well, if I were to tell um, a child and pretty young child that I discovered that pink elephants actually exist in South Carolina. And that I, I know that because I read it on the internet. Um, 
a nine-year-old would say, oh, come on, you, you know, that just because you <laughs> read it on the internet doesn't mean that's true. And yet, when you look at the influence of the internet on values, beliefs, um, habits, really, it's it's the same thing. Because a it's not just one person that says they're pink elephants in South Carolina. If 50 say it, then it must be true. But that's not true. Just because um, 50 people or 500 people have the wrong information doesn't mean it's true. And so much of our culture is being dictated by a very small amount of people that have a tremendous amount of influence online. And that goes for um, secular side. And it goes for those in the faith that are much more um, rules-based and um, judgment-based and really critical of everybody in the world rather than helpful in uh, trying to meet some of the needs of the world. So we're all, we can all kind of be uh, guilty of that, but the loud voices uh, have usually have a pretty uh, loud position online and you have, it's just, we need to be aware of that. And whether you're a very conservative Christian, liberal, or not at all, uh, you need to know that there, I mean, from my perspective, there is a truth and it's an irrefutable truth. Sure, there are a lot of things in the Bible that are confusing, but there are enough things that have no confusion. They're very clear that if we just follow the things we understand, we're, I believe we're going to avoid a lot of trouble, heartache, and struggle. And I know in my life, uh, the struggle that I have is whenever I don't adhere to the truth, uh, which, you know, I call true truth, not the way you want it to say or, or the way you want it to feel, but how it was intended uh, when it was written. Yeah, I heard you talk about loud and noise and I made me think about the quote in Jesus Revolution, the movie that came out recently, and uh, the lady that was in it, the pastor's wife, she says, you know, lies are loud. The truth truth is quiet. Lies are loud. Truth is quiet. Yes. I'll tell you, truth screams from an authentic person who is living kindly, generously, and humbly. When you meet that humble and kind and generous person, that truth that they base their life on, it screams at you and, and it challenges you. Uh, it's kind of like when somebody lives like that, it's like the Holy Spirit. It It's both uh, convicting to you and it's also encouraging to be that way. So both ways. And um, like I met someone like that 10 years ago. <laughs> no, I, I'm a, of course, I'm around a lot of people that are kind and generous and humble. And uh, I'm fortunate to get to work with those folks. But the bold, brash narcissist that's, that's totally unaware of anything they're doing or their impact on others, their position on the Internet does one or two things. It either uh, pulls people in to them or it absolutely drives people away, more insightful people that can see So it's important that we have discussions like this with our kids and they might uh, reject everything we say, but it's important that we say it. 
uh, they may think we're old fashioned, which is what the internet wants them to think. Uh, parents are old fashioned. They don't really know what they're talking about. It's a different day and age. Um, that's kind of the message that the, the uh, screens have. That's what they may believe, but it's still important that you share what you know and what you believe and also why you believe that. Yeah. Talk about people that are uh, bold, but also humble and kind. I was at a charity event the other day. Adam Wainwright, the Cardinal baseball pitcher, uh, was running it. And he gets up to speak and uh, interviewer or MC starts up. It's like, Adam's going to talk and everything. We're going to ask him a few questions before we get going. And it says, Adam Cardinal has been losing a whole bunch. And you were the pitcher today and you lost today. And <laughs> I'm like, man, that, that could make me mad at this event that's mine. And uh, he grabs a microphone and smiles real big and laughs. And he says, well, you would have to bring that up first thing. That was something you didn't have to do, but you did it. <laughs> and he just laughs and it's like, yeah, it didn't go the way that we wanted it to go today. And, you know, I'm the pitcher and, you know, we're going to work on it next time type thing. But he's just like accepting of, of what was. And yeah, the guy could have started the first question a little differently, but no, he went right, <laughs> right at what a lot of Cardinals fans that were in the room were thinking. And like, that was so cool how he, you know, was kind. Yeah. Well, he didn't. It was react. humorous. Yeah, it was he humorous. Responded and just, yeah, versus yeah. reacted. But someone should talk to the the MC because I think that you know when a person is invited to the stage, there's a little bit of adjustment right there. And in the midst of that adjustment, if you uh, go to the most difficult thing that that you could go to, I think that's really inconsiderate. Um, I, I thought so too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yep, Adam, time, yeah yeah so it's it's been neat to see adam uh adam hasn't been having the greatest season this year and really? he's had numerous people attack him and he's used that to um uh, show his christian christian uh heart and you know has, has navigated the season pretty well for somebody that is uh getting attacked pretty frequently these days so you mentioned how you met a guy 10 years ago that displayed that and then joked and we're like, oh yeah, there's lots of people, but it depends on the community that we build around us and who we're looking to uh, associate with. Yeah. So, well, you know, um, I think Tiger Woods is an example of somebody that for years um, was angry and full of uh, venom and, you know, kind of arrogant or a lot arrogant. And then he has a crisis, uh, a couple of them. And, if you see him on television now doing interviews and things, he's smiling, he's even laughing, and he's so much more lighthearted. I think once you get whatever you're doing, uh, it comes out in the open. I think it takes a lot of the uh, pressure off of it. And now your true self can emerge versus be submerged like it was before. But um, that kind of transition into uh, a gentle man or a a person that is open to other people uh, is a wonderful thing to see. And it's too bad that we have to go through the hardest things, the most difficult things uh, before, you know, many of us make a decision. Okay. I, I need to get some things changed because it's not going well. So what are some examples of the poison that gets into our kids if they have too much screen time? And when you say uh, too much screen time, 
um, or in a screen saturated world, what different types of screen time are, are we talking about? Because there's many different things. So it sounded like we were more on the social media uh, side of things, although you could have been talking about shows or, or something else as well. Well, um, an example of some poisonous, destructive things would be if you were to look at some of the communities that gather together around a struggle, some of those are very healthy and supportive, and some uh, become a place where uh, you almost want your problem to be worse than everybody else's. You win the struggle award. Uh, and a, an example of that is um, young teenagers with eating disorders. When they gather together, uh, let's say you're on a scale of one to 10, your problem is about a, um, a four. It seems like if you'll just spend about a year or six months to a year in one of those communities where everybody's posting about their situation, what they're doing, uh, you can go from a four to an eight in about a year, um, believing and even uh, creating uh, more severity in your problem so that you can either keep up with or uh, reign over the other people and the degree of their problem. So that's, uh, those kind of communities can really be uh, destructive. And um, there's a wonderful uh, interview. If you just were to um, Google Sprinkle and Helena, um, if you Google that, you'll find an interview of someone that was in transition. She had taken uh, quite a bit of uh, testosterone talk, and um, then it kind of woke up to some things. And she was in one of these uh, social media communities. And somehow she stumbled onto uh, one of these eating disorder communities. And she said, they were almost identical. And it was like everybody in the community was kind of propagandizing everybody else in the community. And it just got worse and worse. And, and she made a decision to stop the transition once she saw that she was kind of caught up in this vortex of uh, increasing severity and, um, you know, trying to be as red or orange on the Doppler radar as, as you could possibly be. So that's, that's, uh, those are the kind of things that are very destructive. And then uh, of course, um, pornography, uh, images, and, um, and then just the disrespectful things that are there that would, um, enhance you to reject everything by anyone who's over 18, <laughs> that, you know, they're just, or, or certainly over 24. Those are destructive things. Yeah. I've seen, uh, depending on what my, my daughters watch, they're currently nine and 11. Sometimes those behaviors that come from the screen show up in real life. I'm like, that was a weird thing. Have we seen that on something she's been checking out? And I'm like, ah, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Uh, we, we got to either talk about this or remove this one from from the approved list of media we can check out. So, and you know, the, uh, there are a lot of great things about social media and the internet, but a nine-year-old 
isn't going to be able to find those. And, um, you know, as a learning aid, I mean, it's just amazing uh, the things that you can find online that will help you if you have a learning disability. Um, And there are learning communities that encourage each other. So there are a lot of good things about it. But just handing a, a child a phone and saying, go for it, figure it out, uh, is a pretty destructive thing that you'd want to avoid. Yeah, so what are some guardrails you can put around that? Well, I think, uh, first of all, you need uh, filters and blocking. There's certain uh, sites that you'd want to block that you know about. And then uh, there are filters that would prevent material that isn't good for anyone. Well, it's not good for anyone, but it's especially not good for anyone under 18. So you can get that kind of filter and prevent images and material coming through. Uh, But I do think it's our responsibility to limit the amount of time, restrict the amount of time the younger uh, person is, because they're being challenged and exposed to things when their brain hasn't fully developed to evaluate them and um, judge them and eliminate things that are dangerous. You know, if, if you uh, look at what's reported online, you'll see a brand new TikTok disaster, mm-hmm. uh, you know, every so often. And I think right now there's a, a, a boat jumping uh, challenge. I think six people just got killed from that. So, you know, you're not really fully developed, mature uh, with character. And just looking at stuff, thinking that'd be fun or I bet we could do that uh, causes death. And sometimes I think even worse, uh, a lifetime of uh, handicap and and struggle because you don't have any arms anymore or whatever. So uh, it's important that parents don't think it's harmless and that they don't just give this uh, access to them that they can have. 24 hours a day, no matter what, or even 12 hours a day or eight hours. It's just not good. So I wanted to bring up your personal family. we got the 17-year-old son, 14-year-old daughter. So you aren't a guy that uh, hasn't had and doesn't have current experience with today's times. Right. So what has it been like in your family over the last, say, 10, 15 years or last year or two with how you've been guiding and leading the family in regards to screens? Well, I don't think you'd find it hard to believe that we don't think they should have a lot of time and they think they should have a lot of time. So they, they think uh, they should have a lot of time. Absolutely. Okay, Got it. So, yeah. yep. Tip, typical parent kid relationship yeah. here. But, you know, our like our daughter gets a couple of minutes on um, one social media app um, and she's brilliant child and so she she gets her i mean is it seems like it's no time but actually she does quite a few things in two minutes so i I just think that kind of extreme limitation is really good and uh then you know when you uh get an extra half minute added on it's it's meaningful to you but the i i don't know that kids know this but a parent handing a young a 12 year old a phone saying you know go for it uh they're really neglecting that child they're really not showing true love for that child they're 
uh, I think, given the research and the damage that's being done, I think it's a form of uh, neglect, official child neglect. And um, but that child thinks that parent is absolutely fantastic and tells all the friends and they want their parents to be more like the parent that is totally irresponsible when it comes to what their child is exposed to. It, it just isn't right for a young person to look at, obsess over, and then be totally influenced by all the messages that come through those screens. So there's all kinds of different ways of uh, doing things. Uh, the filters, uh, you know, we've got all kinds of filters at, at our house. My um, wife one time went to the phone store and as the phone store does, Hey, we should sign you up for all these extra lines and all these different things. And you get these great deals and free stuff and whatever. So I get a text message one day and my wife says, Hey, by the way, got the girls' phones. They were free and all the stuff. And I said, absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. And maybe I didn't instantly respond, but I was going home in a few hours or whatever. And I got home. I'm like, Hey, this is, this isn't going to work. We already talked about this. This was a hard no. And she's like, oh, well, I got them for this. And these are all the security stuff and they're free and all the stuff. And I said, still don't care. And she's like, all right, well, how are we going to keep track of them at this or that? Or when they're doing the after school thing, how do they communicate with us? How do they, I'm like, there's a whole bunch of different ways. All I know is this one's not the one we've decided on. We decided hard no on this one. And I'm like, I understand how it happened. So I tried to emphasize, stay, you know, caring for her. Like you were at the phone store, you weren't prepared to make this decision and they made it seem super easy and tempted you with something that we agreed we wouldn't do. Yeah. I understand. Like sometimes things happen, you know, the kids are making noise, you're tired, whatever it was, but given where we are right now, would we still do the same thing at the store? Like, nope, you're right. I got to take those back. Let me do some research and figure out how to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. We ended up getting them watches so they can hit a button and communicate with us that way. So that one solved that the phones went back, but I'm like, there's no way I'm given and my kids are good and they're not going to go see, searching out the junk and all that stuff. However, you don't have to search. It shows up. Well, right. But, and, and, you know, um, I don't want to, well, I guess I have to, I'm, I'm kind of being confrontational here, but there are so many parents that would say my kids are good and they're not going to, but you get enough things popping up and then all of a sudden now you're uh, you're still good kid. But, you know, it, it grabs you if it felt, you know, you don't have the filters and things like that on. And uh, I think a lot of parents that that believe that their 16 year old is a great, great kid probably is. But that doesn't mean that he's or she's not in trouble a little bit already. Uh, from what they're exposed to, because there aren't limits set on the stuff that they view and are engaged in. Uh, you know, one of the things I don't think is um, that uh, that if you're involved in competitive gaming and, um, you know, it's you've got Marines shooting the enemy, things like that. I I don't think that we have an epidemic of kids playing those games and running out and shooting a bunch of people. Um, and I think that was the big fear. Uh, I, th- I thought it would happen, make it easier, but really you don't, we, we have people that mass shootings and things, uh, but the influences when you get into their lives, 
are some really sad family situations versus, oh yeah, they, they played uh, this particular game and, and that's how they got used to shooting people without caring. So I like to see gaming. I think it, it, it uh, can be really helpful. Not every game is a good game or healthy, but I like seeing uh, kids competing and then watching others compete. Uh, there are some benefits to that. Yeah. In our family, we have the games and they've got the chat lines and that type thing. Yeah. And our just general rule that we tell our girls is, Hey, when you're on here and there's a request or somehow somebody gets through a filter and starts in the chat room with you, what do you do? And there's two responses. One is ignore two, you know, and if there's a way to block or something, and then three also tell mom and dad, yeah, Hey, random, random things showed up. So, uh, one of my daughters, she somehow got into something and somebody was talking to her, you know, she's seven, eight years old at the time. Yeah. And we w- went through her stuff and found it and we're like, Hey, what's this? Oh, I was doing this thing and this thing and this thing, all logical. Hey, yeah. is this something that we don't do though here? Oh yeah. I, I didn't mean to do that. And like, you know, it just happened and whatever. And it was all innocent for all I know was another seven-year-old girl for all I know it was a, you know, total pervert. I don't know. Yeah. But we're like, Hey, we, we got to get rid of this app. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. Like all this stuff. I'm like, well, that was the rule. Like the, this is a black and white. You didn't yeah. come tell us we've got access to your devices all the time. I know some parents say no privacy and all that stuff. Uh, uh, good for you. If you want to go privacy and your kids rights and all that type thing. Uh, I don't let the seven-year-old, the eight-year-old, the 10-year-old, like it's open range. It was my device. I bought it. You're not 25. You're not on your own. Uh, you're underneath my my roof. Uh, I'm pretty staunch about that. Um, you know, the phone's always going to be open access. I've heard the other side of it. However, I'd rather be involved and protect my kids than allow them, you know, uh, <laughs> if I had access to that stuff when I was 12 and 14 and 16, <laughs> I know my kids are just as smart as I was. I've yeah. been in some, some bad, rough stuff. Well, I think there's a third response, um, and, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, but yeah, please do. You wrote. The I think book. the third one <laughs> is that you, the child, actually types in or says no to the person that's asking them to do something, and then they tell the parents. And here's why I like that combination, uh, because you need to be, you need to get used to. And you need to feel comfortable with saying no. Um, my 32-year-old decided, I think she was probably 10, that she was never going to eat beef or pork. Mm-hmm. Chicken and fish were okay. So um, she would go to a party and they'd have hot dogs and hamburger. They would offer her a hot dog or a hamburger. And she'd say, no, I, I don't, don't need anything. Um, and so she got really used to saying no. It wasn't uncomfortable for her to say no. She graduated from Laguna Beach High School, um, and she had never, never had any kind of drug, no marijuana, and had never touched a drop of alcohol and had no experience uh, sexually. And I just think all of that is because when she was 10, 11, she started saying no. And she built up that no muscle and it came in handy when 
temptations were presented to her. And so I like to tell kids, be sure your first response is no and get used to saying no, because if you can't use the word no, you're not really in charge of your own life. Uh, You're just being influenced by everybody. And no is a really nice answer. No, thank you. Or no, I don't do those things. Um, I think we just need to really encourage our kids to use the two-letter word no. So that's that's my uh, belief on that response versus um, just ignoring it, let's say. And you sure want to follow it up by you got to tell the parent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I like that. Uh, I'd call that an empowered no. And I agree. You got to exercise that muscle and uh, be true to who you are. So uh, whenever I'm doing various challenges or different things in my own life, and I've got an absolute 100%, I don't do that. It's a lot easier to not do that. Where if if I only eat a little bit of ice cream on Sundays, well, it's close to Sunday. It's Monday. Let's let's talk have about a little bit more. <laughs> let's talk about something else. Ice cream is a sensitive area. <laughs> I, I right. love ice cream. Um, but you know, here's another thing. When a child comes to you and says, um, Dad, I am so sorry, but I got on this site and it was one that you didn't want me on. And um I woke up, got off of it. I just needed you to know that isn't the time. Uh, to discipline or punish that child. You say, well, yeah, but if you don't, you're not following. No, not punishing them is rewarding them for telling you what happened. And so you shouldn't feel like you're enabling it if you don't restrict or whatever, because you want them to always come to you. And they're not going to come to you if they're afraid of what you're going to do to them when you find out something. And so I think it's really important that we look at, well, what is my response whenever my child comes to me and and says, here's what I did. And it was a big mistake because uh, we do want to reward the courage that it takes to tell the truth when you've, um, you know, you've done something absolutely wrong, not approved. Yeah. hundred percent because the, the one site you didn't want them to go to and you shut them down there and punish them and then they do something else you know we're humans and the something else is much worse right but then they fear you so they don't want to come to you and say help me out of this when i got myself in a in a sticky situation i could use some guidance and if you shut them down and discipline them and are hardcore they'll start keeping that stuff away from you oh yeah and then you don't have the opportunity until you know they're pretty far into something well, I think you really make the, the point that whatever they do next could be worse. And that is what you're never going to uh, hear about if your agenda is punishment. It's all you care about. Yeah, it sounds like maybe someone in your family has come to you and said, hey, dad, I went to wherever and I wasn't supposed to go there. Has that ever happened? Sure. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you uh, notice this, but uh, young people have a tendency to lie most because <laughs> they're afraid. They're yeah, afraid. Right. And, uh, and they're ashamed. So doesn't mean they're different than anybody else or they're bad or it's a bad. And, and, and most every parent did that when they were younger. Although I do have a friend who um, was applying for the police Academy 
and uh, they have these questions to see if you're being honest. And they ask, have you ever taken anything from a store? And uh, have you ever uh, been caught in a lie? Because everybody has, well, my friend said no to both of those (laughs) because he had never taken anything from a store and he he didn't lie. And he was just (laughs) one of the most amazing people ever. And uh, so they they brought him in and said, hey, look, you know, you got to be more honest here. And he said, no, it's it's true. I have never taken anything and I've never told uh, a lie that I remember or recall or or knew about. So that's funny. That's funny. So he almost couldn't be a police officer because he (laughs) almost lost it because he was too good. (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, So when one of your kids came to you, what did it sound like on your side? Like what were the words you used? Uh, Maybe you'd rehearsed it and gotten ready for the situation. Well, they're just, excuse me. Um, Well, I've got to turn my phone down. Hold on. No, no. Did you go away? You did. Oh, dear. Oh, did you go away? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, uh, no, I'm here. Yeah. Let me turn this off here. Um, anyway, um, you know, I don't really have a, a specific incidence. It's just okay. because they're just things that my kids have come to me with uh, that they've talked about and things beyond social media, too. And uh, I'm just grateful that they do. And I want to help them versus uh, make them feel worse. And uh, maybe, you know, sometimes uh, you might say I'm too lenient, but some of that, you know, is um, grace, godly grace that I need for my life and, and have experienced it. And when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about being passive because I don't know of any uh, parenting book or any relationship book that says passivity is the way is the way to go. Um, passivity doesn't solve things, but being grace filled, uh, being um, a compassion and empathic with a child, uh, that's being engaged and involved, not just you know acquiescing or being passive or uh, ignoring, uh, because it takes um, a lot of effort, I think to not react in anger at certain things. And uh, then, you know, when that happens, you can really shut down a relationship forever. And, you know, on our radio program, we hear it all the time. Uh, Somebody hasn't spoken to, like the mother will call, my daughter hasn't spoken to me in 10 years. Well, do you remember anything that happened perhaps 10 years ago? Well, there was an incident, you know, and have you ever said, I wish I had responded differently to that incident? No, I, I never have. Well, I think that'd be a good idea um, because whatever happened, you might not be aware of it, but it was so uh, offensive or so destructive. Your daughter moved away from you for 10 years. And um, you, I don't think we're very good at repairing things. But that's what needs to happen is a a repair needs to take place. And that's what we always encourage. And then we'll hear, yeah, well, um, I don't have her address, phone number, email, uh, nothing. She, I I can't even get in touch with her. But most of the time, uh, there is a path to that person. Uh, Somebody, you know, is connected. Oh, absolutely. And, and the, 
many times the person that left, the child that left, uh, is is wanting repair, but doesn't know how to get there themselves. Yeah, and I, 10 years later, still doesn't want to give a message that that was okay. Of those different ones you mentioned, that handwritten letter is just such a powerful tool that people can use for reparation, asking for forgiveness, or just you know, sharing with your kids what you think about them or, you know, congratulating them on something they've done well or uh, even, you know, whatever. But that that handwritten note is such a big, 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 powerful thing. So if you heard that and thought, gosh, I need to make amends with somebody, consider that one and uh, finding their address and all that difficult. Yeah, I, I uh, had a major turnaround in my life and it was generated from this desire to make amends, uh, provide restitution, uh, ask for forgiveness. And, uh, you know, I did find people's address or I did find a phone number and ask if I could meet with them. And so it was either phone, letter or meeting because there wasn't the Internet. But Al Gore had not invented yeah. Yeah. Internet right, right, back right. then. <laughs> and it was amazing how many people were available and not one negative experience, not no lecture. I never asked anybody forgiveness and there was no, no lecture. It was uh, grateful that I had made some changes in my life. And, and so I, I really think that was the beginning of me being able to look everybody in the eye because I had made things right with everybody that I recall that I had hurt or, um, you know, just been inappropriate, whatever. And I, I think that's such a gift to yourself. That's where some real freedom comes in. And the shame is lifted because you have done the right thing, finally. And most people um, are willing to be graceful in those situations. Yeah. Total side note, uh, ask the forgiveness, share what you're going to change, what you did wrong, all that stuff, and then leave off the butt. But you did oh. like, <laughs> so that's, that's a common mistake people make where they'll add something and then it wrecks the whole situation. So leave that one out of it. The other person will respond, however they respond, that's not under your control. So those two things, if you go the forgiveness route, which I recommend, it's great because as Steven mentioned, just gives you freedom and levity and you get rid of the poison that's in your own body. So it's a gift to yourself in and of itself. So don't worry about the other person's reaction. Uh, it is something that you can do for yourself so you can free yourself for the future and be a better person in the future. And the, the reaction from them may not be good. I mean, no, it might not be uh, unhealthy there, but also uh, on your part, you don't want to do something like not only the, but, but you also don't want to start with, you know, back when uh, we had that big thing happen, uh, you know, my grandmother was ill and uh, she died and we had to bury her right in the middle. Of that. And so I really wasn't at my best. Well, what you're doing is you're minimizing uh, the impact on the other person, because that's all about you and not about them. Did their grandmother get, was she sick when you did? I mean, that's what you want to, if you're making it right, you, you need to be more interested in what they were going through and the impact on their life, not how uh, you need to be let off the hook because you were going through a tough time. You made a C on your math test or something really severe. And I think that a lot of times 
it's hard for the egocentric or narcissistic person to just repair it and not have any kind of condition or um, not talk about you more than focus on them. Yes, yes, that's huge. That's awesome. I'm glad we added that part in. Uh, as we're connecting with our kids and the screens can be whatever the screens turn into, what are some things we can do, uh, the things we can say, things we can do, guardrails to put in, but how can we stay connected to our kids and have them connected to us more so than their device? Yeah. Well, like in the book, Understanding and Loving uh, Your Child in a Screen-Saturated World, that's the, the book. If you read that, or you maybe you've heard some things we've said, and now you realize, I, I need uh, to have that phone in my bedroom at night, not in their bedroom. Uh, you may have to go to a child and say, I, um, I haven't perhaps done the best for you. And I don't think you're going to like what the best is, but here I've given you all this access and I'm just looking at the research coming in. And that was irresponsible of me. And I have to reverse that. And so I'm going to have to have you bring the phone in before you go to bed. And it's going to charge in our room, not yours, that kind of thing. You just may have to uh, apologize that this is the way it is, but I can't just because that's how we started and it's destructive. I can't just let you continue because that's how we started out. Or I said that it was okay. So I think you got to feel okay with backtracking because you have new information. Uh, and, and so that's a, a part of it. The other thing is I think uh, you need a discussion on what's reasonable. And maybe uh, for an 18-year-old that's still living at home, um, you know, or now I won't say maybe, most likely the restrictions for an 18-year-old aren't going to be the same as for a 13-year-old. And so uh, you have to be realistic about the age and the maturity of the child and what kind of character uh, that they're displaying rather than having a blanket policy um, that's more like a law for everybody. It, it isn't good for kids because every child is in a, uh, is an individual with different proclivities from the others. One of the things that I didn't particularly like growing up, I had two brothers, is the phrase "you boys." <laughs> I was just one of some boys versus me. Um, so if mom and dad had said you know, to this brother, hey, here's what I'm seeing here, and this brother, and then to me, Steve, you also, that would have been a much, much uh, healthier message to me that I'm an inv individual. I'm not just one of those boys that they're raising. It's really important that we treat every child individually with respect and honor, knowing that there is a devious nature in all of us and um, being responsible means not assuming that our child is immune from anything. So for whatever reason, you made me think about a uh, common, uh, at least when I talk to parents, one I hear quite a bit is you mentioned you boys. So your parents said you boys, 
lumped you all together. And then the kid's response is whatever, whatever it was after that, well, that's not fair. The kids always want to go to that's not fair. And sometimes parents say the fair thing to do or whatever, but that word fair just tends to be divisive and and used in a way to get what you want and to put somebody off. Well, you because you want to be as a parent fair. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, I think that's a huge trap that the kids use and and a weapon they use to divide and conquer or to get their way. Uh, so when you when you hear the and maybe from the kid's perspective or parent's perspective, when the kid says that's not fair, how have you? walked around that one well or, my kids are charged it. into it <laughs> they they don't say it a lot because they know my response is always well fair is where pigs win ribbons you know we have the big state fair here and <laughs> they they know that's what i'm going to say because it really is the only place that fair has an overriding value and there's not much that we do uh, that's fair in the eyes of a child. You know, a child that's fair uh, if everybody gets to drive, even though I'm only nine years old, I ought to be able to drive too. So that's not fair. No, it isn't fair, but it's right. And so we want to value right over what you might feel is unfair. But they've heard the fair is where pigs win ribbons line enough that they know that the word fair is not a good argument with me because I'm pretty faithful with my state fair analogy. We live in Indianapolis, near Indianapolis, and so there's a big state fair here. And we go see the largest pig of the year, which is usually 650, 675 pounds. And the ribbon is really big for that. So anyway, that's how we deal with fair. Yeah, absolutely. I love that one. I'm going to have to start using that one. My kids uh, ask sometimes and we'll give them a no. And then when they come back to me, I still use that little kid game. They asked an answered game. Hey, I think you've asked that one before. Or I'll, now I just skip right to the finish line. Hey, you want to play asked and answered? No, daddy. I want to do whatever. Okay. Well, it sounds like you want to play asked and answered which that version is, dad, can I, whatever? Now we're not doing that right now. But dad, I really want to, whatever. Oh, have you already asked permission to do the thing? Yeah. And what was the answer? Well, dad, you said no. Okay. But I want to, oh, so you want to play asked and answered. <laughs> we can just keep repeating this over and over and over until one of us gets tired. And now it's a real short conversation of, hey, you want to play asked and answered? No, dad, I want to do that. Okay. Well, what do you want to do outside of the thing I already said no to? And the conversation goes a different direction, but yeah. now, now I get to use fair square pigs win ribbons. <laughs> well, you know, um, I don't think God is fair. No, but God is right. Yes. When I, uh, when I was in high school, my girlfriend's father uh, had a private jet and two pilots on call all the time. So in high school, I got to fly in a private jet. And it wasn't just one of those photographs. <laughs> photograph, yes, uh, yes. It was a real deal. So, you know, I don't fly in private jets. That's just not fair to have been able to do that. Now I, I can't. And then here are all these other people getting to fly around in private jets. So it applies to everybody that it's not fair, but 
I'm called to do something different than fly around in private jets. And um, I wish it wasn't so. I'm going to Scotland on Sunday. Man, it'd be great if I could get in a private <laughs> jet and go, but not to be. How funny. Yeah, well, how, how fair was it that his son had to die for my sins? Not fair at all. Not fair at all. Not fair at all. See, I, I tell my kids often, hey, life's not fair. It's just a fact. And we f- figure it out. We figure it out. Well, there's just so many examples of it's not fair that um, I was out running around and um, having fun with my buddy Cliff Miller, driving all reckless and all this stuff, while others got drafted mm-hmm. and went to Vietnam and came back without an arm or a leg or things like that. That Boy, talk about not fair. But fortunately, we have people that fight for our country, so all of us can be out here and be free. And it, So anyway, I, I think it's important to talk as early as possible about that to kids and to have a good answer, maybe better than the ribbon one, but that works too. <laughs> so prepare yourself for these things. So the next time your kids hit you with one, you've got something to yeah. come back with. And the fair thing leads me to also think about the word or uh, comparison. Yeah. So eventually as parents, we're going to run into the, but so-and-so's three years old and she's got her own phone or my best friend, groupie friends, they've all got phones, you know, whatever the thing is that the other kids have that our underprivileged kids don't have. And they use that against us of, you know, well, Steven's family, he's got a great family and they have whatever. So what are some, what are some comebacks for that? Well, um, through compassion international, uh, we support Yonderlet Soledad and she, uh, has one dress and uh, one pair of shoes. She's got eyeglasses, and she uh, lives in a slum in Kenya that I've actually been to. We visited, uh, my daughter and I visited there. Uh, The stove she has is just a propane tank with a grill over it. Uh, So if we're going to compare, we got to bring her into this. And if we're going to be like somebody else through comparison, maybe we have to go that way. Versus where you're trying to drag us the other way. <laughs> That's I mean, awesome. I mean, really, uh, it's it is horrible how we compare affluence to affluence versus gratitude that we're not living in a slum in Kenya with mud or dirt on the ground. That's what that's what the floor was. All these different tools, parents sharing with parents, helping us out so we can win these win these little battles that we got to win. Some of these are important and some of them we absolutely have to win. Yeah. But staying connected with our kids and, uh, you know, having conversations with them to come to the same thing, like what you were talking about, the discussions about what's reasonable and uh, living at home at the different ages. So my nine-year-old gets treated differently than my 11-year-old, one, because they're different people. But two, at their maturity, age level, uh, grade levels, you know, all those type of different things, uh, you know, it's important. And it's important. Uh, we do try to address them individually. Sometimes they get lumped together when they're screwing around and getting in trouble. But other than that, we do try to treat them individually. Yeah. So I, I love uh, love the title, Understanding and Loving Your Child, that understanding. So getting to know your your kids is a daily process because they're not going to stay the same age. They're going to continually change and evolve. 
And then the loving side, if you can stay true to that, how can I stay loving with my kid? How can I be in love with my kid? How can I show love to my kid? How can I express love? Uh, It's just such a key thing when your thoughts, decisions, emotions come from a place of love, which is also, you know, God, God is love. So when we start from that place, our actions, words will be in a better spot. So if you can start there, whatever happens next will be a lot better than starting from anger, fear, hate, any of those type things. Have you got any parting thoughts that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, I'll share this. Um, One of the most impactful portions of the Bible is, you know, the first Corinthians 13, where it says, but if I have not love, you know, and um, on, on our program, we'll have, in fact, just uh, two days ago, I had somebody call, how do I love my child who just came to me and said uh, that she wants to be a he? And um, my immediate thing is, well, first of all, I asking how do I love them kind of implies that if they do something like this, you might not love them, that you would struggle to love them. Well, if if you really understand what it means to be a believer in Christ, love isn't the issue. Um, and if it is, you got to work on that. I, I would never reject my child for anything that they do. I love my kids. And, you know, they're, they're not perfect kids. They have their own lives. And, and I love them. Do I agree with everything that they think is right? No, but they're not little robots. I I don't just download stuff into their brain. They go, okay, well, I'll do that. (laughs) Far from it. So I I do think that we ought to look at this issue. If you struggle with loving a child that isn't living the life you thought they would live, uh, then you got to go back and work on what's going on with you where you uh, rejected in some way, whatever. The worst thing in the world that I hear about is a child comes to a parent and says, this is what I'm struggling with. And there's rejection of that child. Ridiculous. Um, you don't have to do that. You, you can, you can get some good counseling so that you get back to the thing that Jesus said was the most important thing after loving, uh, God with all everything you've got. He says, number two is loving your neighbor. And then he says, but it's equal to number one. Well, it's number two, but it's equal to one. Well, hey, if you're God, you can make something that's number two equal to number one. But (laughs) He can lift a rock that's so heavy, nobody can lift it. (laughs) And, you know, it doesn't say God is loving in the Bible. It says God is love. And so if, if you don't get that, God is love. Uh, then you're probably not going to be very loving. But if you are trusting in God who is love, you're going to find a way to also be a representation of love to kids that are going to do stuff that you wish they wouldn't because you know it's not best or it's painful and you'd like to protect them from some pain that maybe you caused for yourself. Mm, that's Those wonderful. are my final thoughts there. Thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. And how can people connect with you? Um, well, I'll give you my cell phone. No, I uh, <laughs> you you can watch or li- you can watch New Life Live on radio, uh, YouTube, the NRB uh, cable network on television. 
We're on uh, Sirius XM Satellite Radio Channel 131 at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. But we have a website, newlife.com. I was first. That is amazing. You've got newlife.com. <laughs> yeah, I, I beat all the New Life churches and all the vitamin companies, the New Life vitamin companies. And then I also, you could just call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. I beat everybody else to that too. Uh, and uh, sometimes that's a curse. But anyway, 1-800-NEW-LIFE, newlife.com. You can uh, call, write, and if you send me an email, I just responded to somebody this morning uh, who emailed and wanted a, some special attention there. So yeah, love, yeah. love to talk with you or write back to you. And are your new books that are coming out, are those available for pre-order quite yet? Or will yes, that be they, in- yes, they're they're up on Amazon. You can see them there. And um yeah. And there's Hopefully another book we really out. haven't talked about, understanding and loving your college student. So sometimes uh things come up in college that might not have happened if they lived at home, and you might need yeah. to have some of that understanding and loving so you can stay connected to your college student. Yeah, it's impossible to understand a college student. Uh so we did the best we could with this book. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I always like to ask if you could throw a challenge out to parents, uh, dads specifically, that they can execute from this podcast to the next podcast they listen to. Uh, it can be something simpler. It can be something a little harder, but uh, something that can impact a family, something that a dad can do so they can be a better dad, a husband, a parent, a protector, provider, any of those type things. Uh, universe is open to whatever type challenge you'd like to throw out to the to the guys that are listening to today. Yeah. Well, I would say this, that if your response to um, irresponsibility or disagreement or whatever, if your response is always anger, then you have graduated to the level of Cro-Magnon man, because Anger is what they did to protect themselves because they were afraid. So I would say this, pick something other than anger as your response, such as, I want to talk to you about this, which means you're more interested in understanding the child than you are being angry to protect yourself because you're scared to death that things are going to get out of hand. So I would just challenge you. If anger is your go-to reaction, pick a response that's more loving than anger and see how that feels. And if it's loving, it's more interested in the person than it is what they did. And when they feel like you're more interested in them than adherence to something that you think or believe, well, now you've got a chance for a relationship under any condition. And that's what we want to preserve. And a lot of a lot of men um, through anger have backed out of a relationship or the child's backed away from them because they're afraid of the anger. So I would just say evaluate that anger and try uh, to get the help you need to eliminate that as your go to reaction. Mm, that is such a fantastic challenge. I love that one. Guys definitely struggle with anger. That's probably the most common character trait. You know, there's things that spawn off and pornography and alcohol and drugs and whatever, but anger tends to be one that's pretty common amongst men as a reaction. 
Well, I had one. I had hate, one the other day. Let me just say it, this. Hate and anger cover up fear. And you can try to explore that. I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but I didn't. No, no, no. That was, I'm like, absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. Hate and anger do cover up fear. And ultimately fear controls a lot of our actions and emotions. And that's that reactionary thing as opposed to responding thing. Yeah. You're in survival mode versus trying to find what has God called me and equipped me to do. I want to find it and do it because that's where fulfillment. Yeah. I had, uh, had somebody send me a message. I'll omit some of the details because uh, it involves somebody that listens to the show, but they sent me a message overnight. So when I woke up in the morning, checking my messages, it was fire and venom. Mm. And I'm like, wow, it's first thing in the morning. And this person sent this late at night when they weren't their best self. And it, it had a bunch of different things in it that had a kernel of truth to them. But anyway, I'm like, all right, my first thing is Let's go get them. Let's go attack this. Let's go defend this. Let's come back with, uh, you know, vengeance. I'm like, that's not the best response. No. That's not coming from love. That's anger and covering up fear, covering up, you know, they attack something that I feel like I'm good at. And, you know, kind of kids will poke at your weakness and come at you and they'll find it. They know you pretty well, just like our spouse can do the same thing and we can do to our spouses. So, uh, I love the challenge. Pick your response. Choose something, whether it's understanding, uh, gratitude, curiosity, but stop and ask a few questions. Take a breath, breathe. Um, I've told the story about Mike Matheny thinking he was going to get fired, uh, demoted from the major leagues by Lloyd McClendon, and he called him a sissy Christian and all you sissy Christians. And Mike's response was, I wanted to stand up and punch him in the face. And I thought that wasn't quite the thing to do. So I paused and asked God, hey, help me out. I don't have the words right now to come back. So uh, love it. Choose your response. When you, you feel know, that anger come up, choose your response. I just have to tell you a quick story. Um, Please do. I hired a new assistant and she had all of her snacks on the first day. She brought boxes, put them up on the shelf. And she had repacked her snacks by two o'clock and left, quit and left me a two-page yellow legal pad note, legal size note, of all the things that were wrong with me and all the things she had observed in the organization. And I read it, and something came over me, a moment of weakness or something, I think I thought. And I thought, you know, um, a lot of this is true. So I made a commitment, rather than get angry and throw the letter away, I would keep it. And at least once a year, I would pull it out and I would evaluate, have I grown from these things that she saw and believed? Well, about 10 years later, uh, Women of Faith was uh, successful. And uh, we were, you know, like at, in Anaheim, we'd have 18,000 women fill the arena. And of all things, I'm on the concourse and I see the former assistant. Oh, certain, wow. shortest amount of time. She saw me, had a big smile. And I think that was because she knew that women of fad had started that. And, um, and then I just reached out to hug her and we hugged. And I said, I want you to know you have helped me to change because that letter was so impactful. 
I still have it. I read it at least once a year. She started crying because, oh. you know, she was happy that it had done some good there. But I, I have a little saying that a lot of people that don't like you have some things you need to hear. And a lot of them don't, you know, but you don't want to miss those things because a lot of times like someone like you or me, we, the truth tellers aren't around anymore. They quit telling you the truth. And so whenever somebody's willing to do that, you need to honor them and read it or listen to it right before you say, oh, that can't be right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, thank you for sharing that story. That was really, really cool. Well, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you writing these. I can't wait to read uh, read your screen-saturated world one. And I always like to read stuff for the future so that I'm more ready for something else. So the college student one will be be on the on the radar for the future. But I'm definitely going to read your screen-saturated world one because that's something that uh, as parents, we all either struggle with or we turn, to bl- turn a blind eye to it and kind of give the tablet and let them have free reign, which, you know, most of my listeners, if not all my listeners would say, no, that's not the right way. So we appreciate your leadership on this one and uh, look forward to diving in. And um, I just mentioned that my co-author is Al- Dr. Alice Benton. She's one of the people on radio with me, brilliant woman. And uh, she did a great job on this book. And I think you will, uh, you will find that it is well-researched, full of facts, but also full of a way to approach all of these things with your child that's very different than reacting the way many of us uh, tend to do. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And guys, uh, throw your reviews up there, share the show with friends, and come back next week for another show. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it with you guys. Part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.